Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 141 of Korean Podcast. Our today's guest is Mr. Sasha May. He's an illustrator, character designer, and also creator of comics from Ludwigsburg, Germany. Now, with that quick introduction out of the way, I need to I, need, I want to mention something before we jump into the first question. Um, there's there's two links in the description down below, like actually three links in the contact section. One is the is Instagram with the caption for contacts and all that all that sort of stuff, and the third link is his website his portfolio and the second link which is the important one is uh, the link to his Etsy shop which i recommend everyone to go check it out if you needed to i don't know buy a gift for someone or you know just you know don't know what to get someone or you know just any occasion you know you can go buy a support artist you know that come on the show themselves and uh, yeah i think it's much better to directly support artists than to i don't know it's just a wild idea to I don't support big conglomerate companies or something like that, you know, because it means a lot to the artists as well. And so, yeah, I highly want to encourage everyone to do that. And let's check it out. You know, maybe there's something you like or maybe you can send it to one of your friends. Later. All right. But enough about that. Let's jump into the first question. Um, give us a little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design. Uh, I think it's, it's a pretty basic when i was a child i always drew and um as i got older i lost it and at some point when i was in my i think teens 14 13 i was more into playing computer hanging out later on going to parties and i didn't draw anymore and then i ref i i recovered it maybe with a 16 something like that and it was like in my senior years when i restarted drawing and it's uh i was pretty decent i would say i would do like this hour-long cross hatches of some paprika or flowers, stuff like that. And people were always like, hey, maybe you should do something with this later on as a career. And that's when I kind of clicked and I thought, hey, maybe that's that's kind of thing I could do. So I kept on it, um, but I didn't have a major in, in my senior classes. So I was more into math and, and English and did the drawing on the side. And after school, I wanted to study and I, I looked what was going on. So it was like, um, it's always communication design, which is more focused on the graphic design aspects and less on illustration or art in general. So I tried to, uh, to apply there anyways, because I didn't want to move too far away. And, but I didn't make it because I was kind of bad, I would say. So it's very interesting when, when you have people tell you that you are great at drawing and then you find other people who draw as well and they are so much better and then you get rejected it was kind of a bummer so um i ended up doing um graphic design apprenticeship in a school because it was easier to get in there and um so i learned all the basics of indesign and photoshop quark express and all the advertisement design i would say but I tried to focus on illustration all the time. So we had a drawing teacher who told us that we should draw every day. And that's when I started to kind of draw every day, at least one little doodle or something like that. So that's how I got started. And um, after that, I wanted, actually, I wanted to go into an advertisement agency, but it's so hard to get in and they all they have is like... Um, how you call it? Um, yeah, you go there for a time, you don't get any money just for, for the learning. So I didn't get into the advertisement agencies because I didn't want to do that. So I started studying in Mannheim. Um, 
another communication design study. And uh, there I really started to focus on illustration. I always had a sketchbook with me. I drew all the time while, while commuting. I drew people in the train and stuff like that. So that's where it really started and took off, I would say. All right. And... Um... All right, you kind of mentioned and explained, like, you know, a little bit of your background and how you got into it. But I was wondering, when you were, like, you know, in your tw- in your 70s, 17 years old or 18 years old, you know, those are some important times in everyone's life, you know, when they're thinking about, you know, their future and what they want to become. But how was it for you? Did you know at the time you wanted to become an artist or something, like, even the back of your head? Or were you going another route completely? Like, how was it for you? I think I, I always knew I wanted to do something in that direction, but I wasn't really sure what to do. I always thought I would end up like my dream job, I would say, would be like a character designer in a computer game company. That's what I always thought I would end up in or I thought was my dream. But um, yeah, it always was something with the arts. So even even as a graphic designer it's kind of creative and i always try to uh, when i do graphic design to put more and more illustration in it um so yeah damn damn you're actually your last sentence it it's kind of it it sounds like it sounded like a cry for help that you didn't really want graphic design you wanted to be more creative and express yourself because here's the thing um most people who are usually like you know they want to become artists at first of course they have their doubts they don't know how where to start they don't know if it's if it's like it will be a stable path so they're like they usually find graphic design and it was the same thing with me actually like hmm this dude just made 500 bucks design or 50 bucks designing logo hmm that's interesting because it's it, in a financial wise, it seems more tangible, you know, with graphic design. So you go to graphic design, you're like, it's art, it's money. Hi, I go yeah. there. It's, it's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. But then you go there and uh, as an, someone who wants to express themselves artistically, you you realize that this is kind of soulless. Because it's yeah. like, because if you, I, I've said this on the podcast many times before, this kind of analogy. Like if we like, you know, try to compare art to carpentry. I think like making MDF cabinets are is like graphic design. Yeah. But like making wood sculptures is like, you know, illustration and all that stuff, you know, and we want to be sculptors like in that sort of way. Like this is the kind of example I try to give to explain to people how it is. And here's the thing. I've been trash talking graphic design so much in this podcast that I don't think the next person I as a graphic designer I invite won't accept but yeah. you know graphic graphic design is a great field it's an amazing discipline but um for most people me included and that come on the podcast they, they we usually gravitate towards this kind of stuff because we are passionate about expressing ourselves uh, expressing our emotions our feelings and graphic design is not necessarily like the best medium for that and that's yeah, why we sure. kind of get disappointed but, I mean that there are totally folks who totally dig graphic design and they do it so good because they are so top-notch on what they're doing, cutting-edge design, and they really love just working with with basic shapes and putting stuff together and expressing themselves that way. That works as well for them, but it wasn't really my deal, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And, um, well, speaking of, like, you know, graphic design and, you know, different other type of, like, you know, uh, 
creative fields. I want to ask you this. What is your main branch of design that you're focusing on right now? And tell us about your experience from the start of it until now. I mean, of course, in the introduction, I mentioned that you're an illustrator, character designer, and all that. But give us a little bit more in-depth answer here. It's really like my my field of illustration is kind of wide. So um, I do like everything that comes to me job-wise. So um, it's having the background of drawing a lot of people commuting to work and stuff like that. Um, I sometimes I draw at the, at the events from, from companies. So I do like small doodles of the people and that get, they get this as a gift, uh, to go home with. So that's, uh, one part. Then I do like uh, children books work, but that's more like private projects. I have, um, a friend who writes uh, children books and I, I illustrate them and we do the, do this in our free time. And we, it's like, um, we both work at a company that, um, has to do with people with disabilities. So they have like kindergartens with children with disabilities. So we make children books where the protagonist has uh, some disability, like an arm missing or just one eye and stuff like that. And uh, we make these children books every year and we um, give them away for free for children and kindergartens and stuff like that. So that's another branch of, of my work. Um, then I have my comic work that's also personal projects um, with the same author. Uh, he has this story and I did the first part of the comic as my master thesis. And uh, the second part and third part are still waiting to be done. And I'm trying to graduate more to character design these days. I'm attending different courses. I'm now at Brainstorm School attending a course of uh, Kofi Ofosu, awesome artist, great dude. It's about character design for animation. Before that, I had a course with Walter Tulp, another awesome character designer from Schoolism. And um, I really try, I want to try this year to focus on character design a bit more and really maybe give it a shot and try to enter the entertainment industry. So I'm trying to put a portfolio together. Um, so, yeah. But otherwise, it's it's really open. I, I do like etiquettes for wine bottles and uh, magazine illustrations, stuff like that. And a quick fun little fact I need to mention is that you mentioned um, Kofi Ofusa, right? Yeah. He was, I think, the guest on the podcast in, I think, episode 34, if I'm okay. not mistaken. I have yeah, to check yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, he's a super cool, humble dude. Yeah, I really enjoy Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. To him. Yeah. And um, especially about illustrations, like there were some other great artists that I think, you know, for anyone who's listening to the podcast or watching who's interested in the same field as our guest today in illustration or in character design, I also, let me actually check. Yeah, I really... Uh, like, you know, suggest also Enduka Abi. He's uh, episode 97. He's a really great illustrator as well. Um, that I, he's the thing that said, like, sticks out the most for me is the colors. And also the other one who has, like, just gorgeous, absolutely colorful, like, you know, beautiful colors. I think Roxanne Baril Monfet, I'm going to say the episode. So it's episode 97 and episode work here. I'm just scrolling through the. Oh, episode 48, 97. And for Kofi's episode, it was episode... Aha, uh -huh, episode 37, Kofi Ofuso. 
Nice. And these three episodes, I really recommend everyone to go check them out. And um, all right. The next question is kind of, I always get fun answers out of it. And which is, what was the first art job paycheck you ever got? And what was it for? And how did you feel at the time when you got it? Basically, the first ever money you made out of art. Actually, I, I'm not sure I recall it correctly. Um, but I think it was in my teens, maybe 16 or 17, when I had to do... Uh, I had a friend and her sister wanted for her baby shower, stuff like that. I don't know. A picture of a male hand holding a fresh born baby. So I did a copy of that photograph, cross hatching, and it took hours of time. And then when I think of it, it really looked like garbage in my eyes nowadays. So, but I think that's something I did for maybe like, I don't know, 50 euro or stuff like that. It's, that was kind of the first paid job, but more on the private sector. So, all right. And now speaking of like, you know, you, the way you made art, I'm going to ask you this, how does your design process usually go anytime you want to start working on a project? Like how does a structure of your pipeline look like usually? What steps do you take from like the ideation phase to the finished product phase? I think I normally start with um, researching, actually. That's something I learned maybe in the last one to two years. That's very important to do your research and just collect immense amount of images, put them together on a mood board so that you get a general idea what you want to do, where you want to aim, and um, that your or my design in that case is settled in reality and gives it more believability. So that's something I try to force myself to do instead of just taking a pen and starting right away, because that's what I always wanted to do, <laughs> just start drawing. So I try to combine this. So I, I make my mood board. It maybe it takes me like one hour, something like that. And then I start to just make a few copies of the stuff, sketch some, get a feel for it, get feel for details. And, um, and then it really depends on what the project is. So I really try to combine the thinking process, making notes with sketching and yeah. So I even try to most of the time to really start sketching in the sketchbook because it's way looser and there are mistakes and that's okay. And I just start the next page and the next sketch before I go digital. All right. And um, here's the thing, like, you know, speaking of sketches and yeah, like, you know, your process, the next question is actually kind of an interesting addition to the podcast format I added and uh, which is, by any chance, do you have a sketchbook nearby? We could, you know, see some of your sketches, show us some of your sketches. Uh, yeah, I have actually. So, so let's see. I need to find a good page because yeah, no, every page is great. So this is my actually sketchbook. So I, it's filled with comfort sketches, which is mainly heads uh, to shoulders. So these I were done while watching The Office lately, rewatching The Office, and. Uh, some refinement and I I used those to make a little cast of the office characters uh, you can find it on my Instagram so I did like maybe six characters uh, so here white for example 
So I just nice. really use it to experiment and try to get very, very loose in my sketchbook um, to not focus too much on, on how it looks. It's really for experimenting. Uh, that's something I learned from a German illustrator, Felix Scheinberger. Um, he's really... He's a great illustrator. He does a lot of loose sketches, a lot of watercolor, has various books about about drawing, about keeping a sketchbook. And the thing I realized when I was younger is when you draw in the sketchbook, in the train, when you're commuting, most of the time, if someone's next beside you, it's very awkward to draw because people always tend to look what you're doing and then to comment it and to talk to you. And it's really kind of awkward because normally it's the sketchbook is a very personal thing. It's like, like my diary. So there's a lot of notes, a lot of journal stuff I put in there, to-do lists, shopping lists, calculations for projects. So normally nobody would dare to look into your diary and, and say oh that's not good or that's great or something like that so but it really the the the, the mindset behind it that it's the sketchbook something only for you so that you can go wild you can go make mistakes and it doesn't matter if the drawings are good or bad it's really just to experiment with it and to have a place where you can make mistakes so yeah, some oh. fundamental drawings I'm oh, doing nice. lately. That's all for the for, because I have little problems with dimensionality, so I'm trying to focus more on that uh, these days. And it's very fun to go back to these courses and uh, revisit the fundamentals and <laughs> to recover all the stuff uh, I missed out on. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really great. Wait a minute. I actually there was like this video, like actually this kind of topic. I don't know if you're. I think it's. I don't think it's a spectrum or something. But do you know the word aphantasia? And uh, no. Maybe you have it and you don't know because, all right, I'm going to explain. Basically, aphantasia is the inability to voluntarily create a mental picture in your head. People with aphantasia are unable to picture a scene, person, or object, even if it's very familiar. Is that the case? I was wondering. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's the case. I <laughs> think it's, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to, so I oh, really yeah, definitely. Need, need some guidelines to get the picture in my head. So... I, 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 that's oftentimes I really need need the pen in my hand. I need to work stuff out and to find my way to the final picture. So it's not that I have a picture, a clear picture in my mind, and I just need to copy it. It really develops on paper. Yeah, I can totally see that because recently I think Proko made a video on his YouTube channel about aphantasia, and there was like you know Anthony Padilla, a famous YouTuber who interviewed some people with aphantasia. Recently, it's been like you know there was some awareness about it, and. Most, like, more than, I think, a, a huge amount of, like, people who have aphantasia don't even know they have aphantasia because they think it's the normal thing. And I was yeah. just wondering, like, you know, if that's the case. But, yeah, I mean, it must... I, I can't imagine, like, you know... It's basically you can't imagine anything in your head. So yeah, that, it must be I, very... I, actually, there's a lot of artists who are, have aphantasia, like... Um, okay. And the way, because the reason I ask, because they did do the same thing. They try to like, you know, for example, in for design, they draw a lot of like basic fundamental shapes to get their yeah. like, you know, kind of other parts of the brain going so they can actually, you know, work with something because you can't imagine anything. So, and it's super frustrating. 
Yeah, it must be very hard. I don't think I have it. I hope not. So, but it's just really the the. I've been yeah. have been drawing for such a long time now, and you really start to. I can draw pretty loose, so and I, I still understand what's going on in my drawings. That's fine, um, but I think at some point I really missed out on some fundamentals because I really I didn't actually go to some real art classes or stuff like that. So like getting shapes right, uh, forms, dimensionality, placing this stuff in a three D room. So it's kind of hard of me for me. I really like just to draw pretty loose and have no idea what's the outcome. So I start with a nose and then suddenly there's a head and there's a crazy dude with an awesome beard, stuff like that. So yeah, that's another way of drawing just to draw without thinking really. All right. And um, here's the thing, like, uh, I want to ask you something like as an illustrator, do you think like, you know, with right now, recently in the past couple of years, the animation industry has been really booming. And I mean, of course, you also, I think, worked on animations as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, I, uh, I haven't really worked on animation, but on animated um, music clips for some local bands. So yeah, I thought so. <laughs> but here's the thing, even as an illustrator, illustrator as, and then also an artist, like, you know, with the rise of like, you know, it, like art industry has been the most popular and like it's, it, right now it's really good right now the whole situation in the world for artists I think yeah. visual artists more than ever before and as you know like you know a lot of uh, projects you know they like Netflix they take the IPs that are even they prefer to take IPs that are even animated animated films and movies instead of like you know hiring actors and stuff like that because it gives you so much more like you know freedom to exp like to make something unique like in terms yeah. of art style, everything. And at the same time, it, it's kind of like, you know, it's really easy to delegate some of the responsibilities of like the director and the producers and everything to just a group of artists instead of like, you know, a team of like, you know, makeup artists and, you know, all of that. And a, a really most like, you know, recent like hit, I think the number one uh, series in, on Netflix in the world was uh, Arcane. I don't know if you watched it or not. Yeah. What I want to ask is, uh, what do you think about this whole thing? Do you think the animation will take over? Not take over. Like, how, like what is what is your opinion on this? Basically, yeah, I, th I think the times for artists and entertainment industries are just awesome because even with with the pandemic, the way of working has shifted a bit. So everybody, you, basically, you can work from everywhere. You can can use your iPad to do character designs somewhere. So. Um, and it still fits into any pipeline so that's really really great um, and then with with those giants like netflix um they have so much money and are able to make really really great animated series movies kind of really anything so that's something that i think it's very important as well if for example it's besides um animation if I look at German films and series, they tend to be kind of boring and really, really lame because, I don't know, German movies, that's kind of a tradition. They have their way of doing stuff and it's, it's nothing compared to any Hollywood stuff. So, But there was on Netflix, there was the series Dark, which was a German series, but they had the pr production value with uh, Netflix with, with a lot of money. And it, it suddenly it, it stuck out because it was very well done. It had a great visuals. It was a really, really cool series that was, even it was a German series, it was, it didn't 
look too German. That was kind of a good thing. So I think with, with those giants and with the the change of consuming entertainment these days, um, even with Netflix, Amazon Prime, you don't have to go buy DVDs anymore. So everything is so available. You consume much more. So you binge watch series all the time, at least that's something I do uh, next while I'm working or stuff like that. And I think that really had a great impact. And and that makes it really easy or more easy to experiment, to try different styles. For Arcane, for example, is a really good example. It has such a unique style that it really is something very, very special. They have this courage to draw like kind of ugly characters with all the eye sacks and then the crooked teeth and stuff like that. So it's really um, very interesting times, actually. And I think there will come a lot more because uh, the sky is the limit. And people are really, they want to watch more. They want to consume those stuff. Yeah, exactly. And uh, did you like the Arkin yourself as well? Who was your favorite character from the show? Uh, Jinx. <laughs> totally Jinx was my favorite character. I liked the, uh, the, uh, the, the play with the um, personality and, and the... the the craziness and then the just the childish drawing or when, when she had the, her crazy attacks it was really really awesome i totally dig the art style it was uh, i didn't want to watch it for at first because it was so hyped and i'm always like oh man that's just another hype but it was really really well done i like the stories i really love the characters and the art style is phenomenal yeah, I mean, I totally see what you mean about like not wanting to get into something because of if it's just hype or not. Because usually, a lot of times, it's just uh, garbage, average stuff that gets hyped sometimes. And uh, yeah, of course. I was wondering, like, you know, uh, did you know that? It, have you played the game, League of Legends as well? The the video game it was based off of. I haven't really. I played it once or twice, but it's a bit too fast paced for my. From my understanding, maybe I'm just too old. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It was too fast for me. Yeah, actually, uh, like there's two interesting topics in kind of I can just mention from the responses you gave me. First is yes, I think um, it's a bit too fast, fast-paced for you know the people uh, from like you know the the generation that you were born on like grew up because I think during those times games were so like, you know, competitive and fast paced and it was beautiful yeah. single player adventure experiences. I mean, it was the same for me. Like, I don't think we're that far from, we don't have that much of an age gap. For example, for me, I don't, I can't just play battle royals because they're too fast paced for me as well. Yeah. And like, you know, I think it, the bar keeps getting higher. Like, I, I also kind of feel old when I see new games right now, honestly. They're like the games I play are usually just chill games, like uh, factory management games, you know, Satisfactory or Factory. I played those. I love those. Okay. And I don't great. know if you played those. Uh, or sometimes, you know, I used to play Minecraft a lot because it was just chill. You could just focus on building stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm getting old as well. It's just yeah. I, in computer games as well, I love story driven games. Exactly. So I, I grew up with stuff like Monkey Island, the Days of the Tentacle, Indiana Jones, the, all, all the LucasArts adventures. Those were awesome. And uh, I really love story in a game. And oh my I, God, I do exactly. play 
newer games as well. I played uh, Senua's Sacrifice Hellblade, I think it's called. Mm. It was an awesome game, uh, 3D, and you have to fight and stuff like that. All fine, but it had really had a great story. So it's something I really dig into. And that's, that's something you miss out on these competitive games. I mean, like, competitive uh, games are fine, but I think personally, like, I myself, like, you know, as a kid, and I think if I one day have ki- ha- have a kid of my own, I would give them, like, single-player, like, RPG games to play, honestly. Because they're yeah. they're actually character. They'll help you with, you know, figuring out a lot of stuff. Like, you know, it, they're kind of character building for yourself as well. You learn a lot from them. I know yeah, it might sound, like, stupid to some people, but I genuinely believe it. Because for me, for example, for 12-year-old Ramteen, when I was 12... Fallout New Vegas was, and it still is one of my dearest games I've ever played in my entire life. I had so much fun with it because it was a story driven, it was dialogues, you know. In my 12 year old brain, I was like, who? Maybe I could negotiate with him. Then there was a dialogue box that you could negotiate with the guy. Or sometimes when I didn't <laughs> like someone, I would just shoot their head. And it, it was actually like these type of games where, you know, your consequences matter and it's a dumb reward. I love them. And yeah, there's like absolutely. so many places to explain, but now games are just everything is just getting so bastardized. It's all about money. If it doesn't, it, like <laughs> amazing franchise like from Prince of Persia by Ubisoft got canceled, and said Assassin's Creed came in place. Not saying that Assassin's Creed were good, bad games; they were great games. I love them, but the reason it got canceled because it wasn't too profitable, you know. And but yeah. I'm sure if, even if the devs try to, you know, like you know, just work on work on improving the IP, they could have literally, like you know, I think. Uh, improved like even the sales of it but yeah I mean things are just moving towards um, money as fast as possible unfortunately especially like you know when there was this video of behind the scenes of making Max Payne on YouTube and I read the comments and there were some really interesting insights one of them was like and I even screenshotted that comment and made it on my Instagram stories was basically saying Back in the day, like in early, especially early 2000s or late 90s, games were about a bunch of passionate dudes just wanting to make, not dudes, yeah. I mean, mostly it's guys in the industry, but now it's more, you know, women involved, which is great. But basically, I'm, I'm just re- paraphrasing the comment, all right? Yeah, <laughs> and basically, basically, it was a bunch of dudes passionate about something, an idea, and they were just making with love. Like, there, it was, of course, money incentives, but it wasn't that much, you know, that they were going to, like, you know, make a single expansion, just... And like make a bunch of content as DLCs so that they can you know leech off more money from people. Yeah. <laughs> like dude, totally. some extra content on the games we used to do like those hard tasks and achievements to get them, not pay like thirty bucks to get. It. Yeah. God, man, like it's kind of hard to see this kind of stuff like art getting like you know so bastardized, especially with the whole NFT thing. I mean, that's that's a whole another topic. I don't want to hold another rabbit hole. I don't want to get into. Uh, recently, I saw a two-hour video by someone which basically it has now four million views right now. Explained everything about it perfectly. Um, okay. Basically, it's called titled NFT. The line goes up. NFT. The line goes up. Just search that on YouTube and you'll see it. It's a two-hour video. Okay. And um, yeah, everything is just moving towards money. But in the end, I believe like this. This is a phase. I believe it. It's not gonna last long. It doesn't it's just it's just going to be a short cash grab scheme by you know companies to get more money out of people but in the end i think they get those companies who make passionate like products we love and you know just genuine care i think they will win in the end and yeah i, I know I it mean, might sound cheesy but i think it's true it's not just in games and everything 
I, I, I think it's, it's totally clear. So you can see it's, it's, it's like they have this, this, this system that you buy stuff, in-game stuff, and then and, and they make a lot of money. That's fine for them. Okay. But at, at one point, the player realizes, okay, what I do here makes totally no sense. So I don't, I'm not entertained in, in, anymore. I'm just doing the same stuff over and over again to unlock another box of some kind. I don't know. I don't know what. So that's really, and there's, Today as well, that's the chance for the indie studios that really have a, pr a project they love and they put so much energy in it and they have the possibility through Kickstarter, through other crowdfunding platforms to, to realize that dream and share it with, with, the, with the community that loves the product as well. So it's a whole different approach and uh, it's so nice that this possible, that it's possible and that there's, yeah still the guys out there or, or women who are just passionate about stuff and, and going their own way so that's great yeah exactly and what are some of your favorite games like you know in 2000s I was, I was just wondering um, let me think on that um, I totally love the uh, Life is Strange series, those games. Life is Strange, Life is Strange 2. Then there was last year, I think it was Tell Me Why, story of two siblings. Um, one of the siblings was a transgender and they went back home and there was this big mystery about their mother and stuff. And they play more like like an interactive movie. So totally story-driven story and an awesome art style as well. So uh, those were great. And uh, for two, two years ago, there was uh, Detroit Becoming Human. That's a game I totally uh, loved. Uh, so yeah, basically all the story-driven games, they are just awesome. And I, I even tried some RPGs uh, like um, Pathfinder, for example. But <laughs> it's so fucking freaking huge. So I don't really find the time to play it a lot. All right, and we talked about some of your you know, favorite games, but I, don't, but I now want to ask you this. Who are your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? Um, I think that's really it's shifting all the time. So when I when I recall when I was younger, I there was this moment I discovered Hellboy, the comics, for the first time, and I totally was into Mike Magnolia for a while because I really loved the art style and the way to play with light and shadow and i even had a phase where i drew a lot of um, black and white stuff with a, with a little of um, woodcut style to it so and then there was stefan tartelin is a french illustrator really awesome as well that was a phase then nowadays i totally love bobby chu but more because of his wisdom and the way he talks and motivates and, and, and his general spirit. So that's definitely someone. Loish, awesome. <laughs> so th there are a lot and I don't really have one style that I adore. It's really, it's just, I love a lot of art and a lot of artists. And um, nowadays with Instagram, you can find in a few seconds, you can find 1000 artists you really like. So that's really great as well. 
And uh, I think stuff like going to events or doing these courses like Kofi Ofosu, for example, I didn't know that he existed before. I just wanted to do more character design. So I found him on Brainstorm School and I had the chance to just hang out with him, to talk, to draw together during that course. It was pretty cool. So he's one of the good guys as well, definitely. So there are plenty. All right. And what are you working on right now that you can tell us about? I mean, what kind of project is it? I mean, of course, if there's no NDA involved, you can share with us. Uh, yeah. Um, as I explained earlier, uh, I'm focusing really on character design these days, though that's more like a private project doing these courses. Um, then this year, there's going to be another children's book that's always like one to two month work going into those. Um, and I really should start working on the comic again, uh, to be honest, but, uh, the day is only so much time and it's, it's really hard to fit it all together, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I really love working on my own stuff, own personal projects. Uh, and I'm really, it's great that I have the opportunity to do this and to have the time for those. So I had this little comic series I did with my girlfriend together. Like we were little snippets of our own life and uh, four panel comics. So we did this a while. They came out weekly and we had a long pause because we moved to Ludwigsburg and stuff like that. So I think we'll start these again. So there's definitely something coming to be looking forward to, I would say. All right. And what area beside the area you're working on working right now would you be interested to explore and learn in the future? Like, I mean, it could be something completely non-arts related, by the way. Um, come again and repeat the question. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, what area beside the area you're working on right now would you be interested to explore and learn in the future? It could be something completely non-arts related, by the way. Okay. Um, I, I think I really would like to work uh, as a character designer because now it's it's more like learning for me and doing character design for my own projects. Um, I think I really would love to find work in that field. Another thing I really liked to enjoy is stop motion art. So my girlfriend, she's at the uh, movie university now and in 2020 she had this project uh, like a stop motion movie which i had the opportunity to make the characters and model the heads of the little characters and stuff like that it was really really fun and it was so great to see this come alive and you think of this puppets they are like this big and suddenly you make a movie and they are walking and talking and stuff like that that's pretty cool so maybe maybe character design for stop motion would be an awesome thing all right and um well we've reached the final section of the podcast and question of the podcast which is called final words let me explain um for right now imagine you have like a window of time a window of opportunity of time to in that limited amount of time to anyone who's listening to this podcast in the future at any point in the future doesn't matter from yourself as a human to another human being in that situation what do you have to say it could be anything Freestyle, let's go. I think from, from a human standpoint, I really would say uh, be kind, be just be a nice human being. Um, don't be like a troll on the internet and be full of hate. Just, just try to be kind and nice and 
develop the perspectives to so that you can see everything from a good standpoint and see the good in things. And um, I think that's very important because everything comes back to you and there's always... <clears throat> You don't know if, if, if you are like an ass to someone and suddenly the next day he, he has a job and he th does not think of you and stuff like that. So but besides that, it's always nice to be a good person. And uh, from the art perspective, I would totally say study the fundamentals <laughs> because if not, they're coming to bite you in the ass. <laughs> it's definitely something, yeah. All right, well... Thank you so much for coming by. And I mean, as I said in the and I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, for contacts, I think your Instagram is fine, right? Come again? For contacts, I think your Instagram is fine. I mean, if there's someone yeah, yeah, had totally, a yeah. question yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll link your Instagram in the captions as always, and also your That's Etsy great. shop. Folks, don't forget to check it out. Amazing stuff. Even for Turkey, the place I live, the prices seem pretty super good. Like like postcards are in thirty three. Turkish liras, I think 35 I checked, which is I think in euros. Actually, the Turkish economy is so bad that in euros, I think it will be two, two and a half euros or something. Yeah, the postcards yeah, here. Yeah. No, then I don't think Etsy converts currencies. Oh, those are actually that if if those are the real prices, then it, it's even more affordable in Europe. In Europe. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah I don't I, think. I, it, I think it's 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 two euros in. Uh... Yeah, yeah, no, then, yeah. but still, even in Turkey, that's good. All right. Yeah, even in Turkey, that's good. I just want to mention that because, you know, a lot of websites like convert the currency based on like the country, like Steam and a lot of platforms, okay. uh, Udemy or stuff like that. I thought it was the same, but it's still, I mean, it's still super good price, honestly. And well, thank you anyone who tuned in and listened to this episode. I hope you all had a fantastic day. And as always, take care, everyone. See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye.